0: Will you lift your hands wherever you are? Father, we acknowledge your presence is in this place and it's in the places of whoever is watching. Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and your faithfulness. God, I pray that we would never forget who we're worshiping and why we worship you. We worship the living God. We worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We worship the great I am. We worship the God who was and is and is to come. We worship you in spirit and in truth because you are worthy because of your love and your faithfulness. I pray Psalm 115 verses 14 and 15 are present in the lives of every single person who is watching where the Psalmist writes, may the Lord cause you to flourish both you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Would you bless your people, God? Would you shower down and rain down on them in every area that they needed? Would you bless mothers and fathers as they make difficult decisions? Would you bless children as they're trying to carve out their identities? Would you bless those who are by themselves and feel as though they're alone? Would you bless those who are going through a difficult time due to loss and pain? Would you bless those who are sick in their bodies? Would you bless those for whom it seems like everything is going so well? God, would you shower down even more blessings upon them? God, as we open your word, we keep in mind the backdrop of who you are, your attributes, your character, and we pledge to worship you. It's not about us, not to us, but to your name be the glory, God. My God, I feel that. Not to us, but to your name be the glory, God. Because of your love and faithfulness, we will acknowledge you, we will serve you, we will follow you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. I am so excited to get into the word today. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter one. We've been going through this series called Pressure Season. And last week we talked about Second Corinthians, the first part of chapter one, leading up to verse seven. And I wanna deal with verses seven through 11 today. I want to deal with something that hopefully will encourage and challenge you and equip you as you're dealing with your pressure season. Second Corinthians chapter one, verse seven, it says, and our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort." We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, hear this, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in the answer to the prayers of many. I wanna begin by asking you a question. It's a very important question, simple question. Have you ever seen something that you wanted I mean really, really, really wanted until you saw the price. Has that happened to anybody? You ever seen something that you really wanted until you saw the price involved? You know, it reminds me of this story of my wife and I's first anniversary. And this happened to us in a very unique way because you know, if you're married, you want that first anniversary to be special. You want it to carry with it some memories. You want to reaffirm your love to one another. You want it to be something that's a time that you can look back on fondly. And so as I was racking my brain and trying to figure out, man, what's a special memory that I can take my wife on to make sure that she never forgets this first wedding anniversary. I decided, you know what, babe, let's go on a trip. Let's go on a trip to a city that you've never been to and let's really enjoy ourselves. Let's take a few days away from the hustle and bustle and let's really enjoy ourselves. And so shockingly to me, because this is a city that I've always been around, I've always interacted with, shockingly to me, up until that point, she had never really been and explored Atlanta. So I'm like, of course, Atlanta's about five hours up the road. Come on, we can go to Atlanta, nothing wrong with that and so i was looking around and previously you know in that time we had done hotels and in that time we had done those traditional accommodation settings but this time i was like let's do an airbnb let's do something that feels homey let's do something that's outside of the norm and the tradition and i'd experienced airbnb she hadn't at that point point. and so i said babe i'll just i'll book you an airbnb right So we're looking at different places and properties, and then we come across a property that looks right. And when I say it looks right, I mean the price looks right. You know what I'm saying? It's our first anniversary, all right? Not our 10th, not our 20th. Okay, my voice is cracking because you know what that means. It's the first. So the price got to look right. The price got to correspond with the memory, right? You know what I'm saying? And so the price looked right, and it looked like a pretty decent property. It looked like it was right in the heart of the city. I said, man, this is great. And she said, well, why don't you go ahead and book it? I said, well, you know, I'll book it, but, you know, I think I want to find a deal. You know how we are, right? You know how we men are. We're like, man, I'm a wheeling deal. I'm going to see if I can look up some coupons. I'm going to see if I can look up something to find out how I can get this price reduced. I'm going to talk to the owner. I'm just going to tell him, hey, it's our first anniversary. You know, we may come back. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to wheel and deal to get that price down a little bit. And so my wife, she just kept asking me, hey, have you booked the Airbnb? I'm like, babe, I talked to the owner. She's like, great, have you booked the Airbnb? I'm like, well, not yet, you know, cause I'm just waiting for this other check to hit, you know, cause I got two accounts, I got checking and savings, you know, it's like three business days, y'all know what I'm talking about. So I'm like, look, <laughs> it's all good. Like, it's gonna still be there. She's like, I really don't want this to be booked. Now, you know, this becomes a thing, right? Between married couples, right? So you wanna make sure that you prove yourself right and prove her wrong that you were right to wait on booking the thing she told you to book the first time, you know what I'm talking about. So I was like, look, God, you need to come through. I need to get this price down. So I kept looking, looking, looking. She kept asking, asking, asking. And the reality was I wasn't finding the promos and the coupons that I thought I was going to find. So I go about seven days before we're supposed to leave. I waited super late. About seven days before I'm supposed to leave, I go and I look at that property on Airbnb. And i know some of you are like oh it was booked no it wasn't booked y'all don't know my god it wasn't booked i looked at i said look at this look at how my god works this thing is open it's wide open for the specific days that we wanted to be open i said look at god see there's only one problem though see i had booked with airbnb before but i hadn't booked for myself the company that i worked for had booked this particular property for me in the past And so I knew that there was an initial cost, but see, I didn't know about this thing called hidden fees. Y'all know about the hidden fees, the things that you only see at the checkout? That's different from the advertised price. So I was clicking all sanctified, all like, you know what? Look at me. I told you, you didn't believe in me. You didn't have faith in your people. And then once I got to the checkout screen, here's what I found. I found out there was a cleaning fee. Then I found out there was a residential fee. Then I found out there was some tax. Why are you taxing me for staying in your place? I don't understand this. <laughs> then I found out there's a, another fee. Then I found out there's a maintenance fee. Then I found out there's a closing fee. Then I was like, hold up, this don't look right. Because I go back and the price looked right. But once I got to the place where I was supposed to check out, the price now, it changed. And the thing that I really wanted, I didn't expect for it to be three times as much as that rate. And then Mrs. Burns was proved right. Mylena was like, see, I told you, you should have booked it a little bit earlier. And the reality was I really wanted this property. I really wanted to go there and we ended up going there. But the reality was I was not prepared to pay the price. I was caught off guard by the price that it would cost me to get what I really wanted. If you want something, you have to be willing to pay for it, right church? If you want something, if you desire something, you have to be willing to put in the work to get it. We've been talking about pressure season, and last week we talked about the purpose of pressure, right? And we shared how the purpose of pressure is all about expanding our capacity. We talked about how low capacity will leave us in a place where we hoard, where we gorge, where we get bored. And now I want to transition away from low capacity where God wants to take us is high capacity. God wants to take us to the place where we are expanded to the place where we can grow not just ourselves, but other people through us, right? But if you want high capacity, listen, church, I'm here to tell you that capacity comes with a cost. Capacity comes with a cost. If you desire to go where God wants you to go, if you desire to experience the thing God wants you to experience, if you desire to have abundance in order that it may be given out to other people, not just tangibly, but also intangibly as well, capacity comes with a cost. I want you to type that in the comments. Type, it costs. It costs. If you desire to go where God wants you to go, The capacity that you want to experience will cost you. There is no way around it. There's no shortcut. There's no workaround. There's no cheat code. There's nothing that you can do to get out of paying the cost for the capacity that you want. What do I mean when I say high capacity? I think it's important for us to be specific. What does it mean when we say high capacity? How do I grow my capacity? Here's what I believe. I believe that we grow our capacity, watch this, by developing perspective under pressure. By developing perspective under pressure. When we think about perspective, we just recently did an entire series on this, right? God-sized perspective for human-sized problems. And the context of this is, there may be something that we see as we're going through it, But the vantage point that we have is limited in scope compared to what God can see. You know this is true, right? Just because I see something doesn't mean that's all that there is to see. Just because I can view something doesn't mean that I have the full perspective of what God is doing in the situation that I'm in. Just because I'm struggling with something doesn't mean that God can't see that the struggle is going to produce something on the inside of me that I'm going to need for my next season. Do you hear me? Just because I'm in the middle of something right now doesn't mean that there's not a purpose for me being in the middle of it. Just because I can't see what that purpose is, I just want to pause for the cause and encourage somebody in here that just because you're going through something and it doesn't make sense why you're going through it. Don't abort the process, don't get out, don't eject, don't leave the situation just because you can't see why you're in the middle of the situation because what we see is perspective can give us a glimpse of our future while we're in our present. Perspective can give us a glimpse of our future while we're in our present. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean that there's not a reason for why you're in the situation that you're in. Can I personalize it a little bit more? Just because you can't see why your kids are facing certain things and going through certain changes, and it's not explained to you, and it doesn't make sense based upon what you've taught, you hear me? Just because you can't see it doesn't mean that God has forgotten about them or that God doesn't have an overarching perspective that's going to make sense in the end just because you can't see why you're still at that job when you put in 10 other applications to other places, just because you can't see why you have that boss that is pressing you down and ignoring what you bring up and ignoring your contributions and giving the raise to everybody but you and not giving you the promotion, just because you're in that situation now doesn't mean there's not an overarching perspective that God is trying to develop on the inside of you. But here's this, if you want high capacity, You have to develop pressure, perspective, in the middle of pressure. You have to develop that perspective right now, not later, right now. That's what develops your high capacity, okay? Let's talk about this. How do we develop this perspective? How do we get there? If it's true that the situation I'm in right now might have a perspective that I can't see, how do I develop that perspective in the middle of pressure? I believe Paul gives us four things, but these four things are in the form of questions. We have to ask ourselves these four questions if we're intent on developing the perspective in the middle of pressure that will produce our high capacity. Someone type in the comments, capacity, capacity, capacity. It's all about capacity that I may abundantly experience things that grow me and also can bless my neighbor. Look here, verse seven, Paul says this. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Just because, just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Okay, first question you have to ask yourself is, why am I here? Why am I here? Okay? Overarching question. You need perspective. Why am I here? Because it doesn't make sense. I've done everything right. I've said the right things. Surely I've made mistakes, but God has forgiven me for those things, right? God has given me grace and mercy. I've followed the path. I've been restored. I've worked around the things that I'm supposed to work around. I've gotten my education. I put in the time. I put in the effort. I have the requisite experience. Why is it that I'm still here? And what Paul says, and this is tying into last week, Paul says that when you share in the sufferings of others, you can also share in the comfort. It is a symbiotic relationship. Others are sharing in your sufferings. And as they share in your sufferings, they can also share in your comfort. So in other words, I'm here for you. In other words, I'm not here just for me. I'm not here just for me. You know, we've traded interconnectedness, what Pastor Burns always used to call interdependence, for individuality. We've traded interdependence for individuality because we're in a Western society, in a Western system. And you know what they say? It's all about you. And it's all about what you've done. And it's all about what you've experienced. And it's all about your uh, qualifications. It's all about your characteristics. It's all about you. It's all about me. And we've traded the interconnectedness and interdependence that is supposed to exist in the kingdom for individuality. So now when it's all about me, I can't see that what I do doesn't just affect me. What I do doesn't just affect me. And I'm not just talking about me, I'm talking about you. This is why I started saying this to people, and I pledge this. I pledge to keep saying this. I pledge to keep preaching this. I pledge to keep telling people this whenever they're going through a difficult time. I need you to hear this. I need you to make it. I need you to make it. I need you to survive. I need you to flourish. I need you to experience abundance. Why? Because we are interconnected. And in the sense that we are interconnected, if you make a decision to leave, it doesn't just affect you, it affects all of the people who are connected to you. Do you believe that you have a connection to some people that actually makes what you do consequential in their lives? Do you believe that you have a connection to people so much that what happens to them is actually consequential for you? your life. This is Kingian theology. Dr. King said it like this. He said, we are tied together in a single garment of destiny. What affects one directly affects us all indirectly. If that ain't the church, if that ain't the kingdom of God, I don't know what else is because what affects me directly actually affects you indirectly. So when I'm going through, I can cast those burdens upon you and that develops not just me, but it also develops you. When I have comfort, I can cast that comfort on you and that develops not just me, but it also develops you. When I'm low, I can reach out to my brother and reach out to my sister and there is a connectivity in the spirit that we have because we serve the same God, and we have the same baptism, and we preach the same name, and we lift up the same spirit, and we exalt the same God, and because we do that, there is an interconnectedness that can't be broken. There is an interdependence that cannot be severed, and many of us are not experiencing what we're supposed to in our lives because we have the wrong perspective of what we're going through. Whose life depends on my testimony? Whose life depends on me making it? Whose existence depends on me flourishing? Whose future is tied up to my future? Whose experience is tied up in me standing up and saying I will not give up as much as I feel like it, as much as I could justify it for myself? There are too many people who are dependent (laughs) upon me. It's not just about me. And this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, my hope for you is firm because as you share these things with me, you're also going to share in all the benefits that I get. Paul says, it's not about me so much so to the extent that I'm going to connect everything that I experience to you. Do you have that mentality, church? Are you just an individual? Are you an island unto yourself? Or do you have the sense to understand that in the spirit you are interdependent, you are interconnected, Come on, type in the comments. We're all in this together. We're all in this together. What happens to me deeply affects you. What happens to you deeply affects me. So the first question we have to ask ourselves is, why am I here? Secondly, we have to ask this question. Where have I been? Where have I been? This is so important. Verse 8, notice Paul says, you're sharing in our sufferings and our comfort. So I have to put actions to my words. I have to actualize this. I have to deepen this. I have to concretize this. Notice what he says. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. Oh, it must have been bad, Paul. Yeah, it was so bad. Get this. We endured. We were under great pressure, there's that word again, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. I thought we had a death sentence. You see, sometimes we have to bring people into the situations that we've been through, not just for our benefit, but for theirs. Sometimes we have to stop carefully curating the things that we think people want to see, and instead give them what they need to see. Just because you don't see it, doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Can, (laughs) Can I tell you something? Nothing in life looks like what it actually is. Nothing in life looks like what it actually is. Now, I know it seems like they got it all together, I know it seems like everything is perfectly curated and manicured. I know it seems like they don't have any struggles. I know it seems like we figured it all out. I know it seems like we don't have any questions. I know it seems like we don't have any doubts. The reality of the matter is behind the scenes, underneath the surface that you can see, there's a lot of issues that we have that we don't share. And sometimes it is necessary for us as believers to document where we have been so that we don't present a falsehood to people who are going to join the kingdom instead we present it all to them up front so that they are prepared for the pressure that they're about to endure let me let me illustrate it like this let me illustrate it like this remember i told you about our first anniversary right well a couple of years later i wanted to redeem myself i said look here i'm gonna redeem myself and so i decided babe we're gonna go to another city I don't know what it is about these cities, but it keeps getting us in trouble, you'll see. I said, we are gonna go to another city that you absolutely love. And my wife's favorite city outside of Pensacola, Florida. Maybe her favorite city even over Pensacola, Florida, but don't tell her I, I said that. Her favorite city is New York City, right? NYC, the Big Apple. So my wife is like, great, let's go to NYC. So I'm not making the same Airbnb mistake, right? I'm not making the same Airbnb mistake. I'm booking that thing early. So I booked that thing early. I was confident. I said, this thing is so hot. It's in Harlem. It's going to be on some cobblestone roads. I mean, everything looks good. I'm like, man, this thing is going to be nice. It had that that, that mixture of modern and vintage. I was like, this is going to be great. I love this. And so we get there, we're walking across the cobblestone. She's like, oh, babe, that's so sweet. I'm like, man, I killed it this time. So we get to the door and we open up the door and we walk down. So I said, that's kind of different because this is, this is ground level. So why are we walking down off the top of, oh, and I looked up. And when I looked up, <laughs> I saw some steps going up. I said, well, wait. But I just went down, and now I see some steps going up. But how how I did the down thing, and then what? So I walk up the steps, and I see it's locked. But it's a door leading to a place where people live. I said, oh, hold up here. Because I put in the Airbnb, I put, we need the entire place to ourselves. And I paid for the entire place to ourselves. But what happened was... I even conversed with the owner, I even talked to her, I even told her what was going on. She said, oh, you're gonna love this place, it's amazing. But she didn't tell me that she was living upstairs. So in other words, I had booked a real nice place, but it was a basement. I booked a basement and I didn't realize, it looked nice from the pictures, but she wasn't completely honest about the fact that this place where I was was a basement. And I was nice, it turned out great, we had a great time. But the truth of the matter is, I just wish I would have known before I step into it, that it was a basement. Church, we need to start telling people when they're going to enter into the basement seasons of their lives, before they get there. We need to start being honest about the things we were saved from. We need to start being transparent about the things that we've been through. We need to start being open about the struggles that we still have. See, because a lot of people are looking and according to us, the picture that we've painted, we don't tell people where we've been. And because we don't tell people where we've been, there's a picture that's being painted and it's a false picture and we're curating and we're so concerned with our image and God is looking at us and saying, I did not save you so that you could curate your image. I saved you so that your testimony could get some more people free. I saved you for the perspective of in the middle of pressure, you being able to turn to someone and say, I've been through worse. I've been through harder. I've been through more difficult situations. If you only knew what God brought me from, if you only knew what I survived, if you only knew how low I got, if you only knew how bad they betrayed me, and then you can look at them and say, because of where I've been, now let me give you some perspective about where you are. Some of us, we have this mentality that we can't be honest. The hardest thing, listen to this, The hardest thing for a Christian in the West to cultivate in 2020 are honesty and humility. The hardest things for us to cultivate are honesty and humility. It's not hard to cultivate gifts. It's not hard to cultivate this idea on the outside that we're doing well, that we're successful. It's not hard to cultivate any of that. It's hard to cultivate honesty and humility. The hardest things for a Christian in the West to cultivate in the year 2020 are honesty and humility. Honesty opens us up, humility brings us low. Honesty opens us up and humility brings us low. And God is calling for a group of people who will not fake the funk in the midst of a pandemic. Can you be honest enough to say, I've been some places, trust and believe, I still got one foot in those places. I'm still struggling in the midst of these places, but I believe God so much that I'm gonna open up my basement experiences to you so that when you get to your basement, you're not looking at God like what in the world just happened, but rather you're saying, because my neighbor went through the basement and they told me how they got out of the basement and went up to the main house, now I can go from the basement to the main house and I can experience the same thing that they experienced because we are interconnected, church. Let me keep moving, let me keep moving. The third question we have to ask ourselves, not just why am I here? Where have I been? Get this. What's really happening? What's really happening? Not what you think is happening. What's really happening? What's the thing that's happening behind the thing that you think is happening? (laughs) Let me explain it like this. Paul says in verse 9, Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. Notice here, Paul says, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but let me explain it. What's really happening? But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Can I make a statement that may seem a little provocative? Are y'all ready? Some of us know God only by reputation, not by experience. (laughs) Don't cuss me out. (laughs) Don't cuss me out. Do it under your breath, then it doesn't count. Some of us know God only by reputation, not by experience. You ever been to a fancy restaurant? You go to a fancy restaurant, and then they tell you, oh, such and such chef is here from France or from Italy, and they're going to be preparing your meal tonight. And that doesn't mean anything for you because you didn't come here for them. You didn't come here because he was here. You came here because you wanted a nice meal. But you don't connect in your mind that it's the chef and it's all the experience that the chef has has developed outside of this country that gives you that nice meal. But here's the thing. It doesn't mean anything to you at first until you taste the food that the chef prepares. When you taste and see that the chef is good, when you taste and see that the chef is good, then you have a personal connection to what the chef is capable of. So what do you say? You say compliments to the chef because now I don't know him by reputation. I know the chef by experience. Now I don't experience her food in the abstract. Now I experience her food in my stomach. And because I experience that food now, it shapes me in a different way and it shapes my perspective of the chef in a different way. Let me give you a principle. Obstacles introduce you to attributes. (laughs) Obstacles introduce you to attributes. Notice what Paul says. This happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on the one who raises the dead. You don't know that he can raise the dead unless you're almost there. You don't know that he can deliver you unless you're bound. (laughs) Obstacles introduce you to the attributes that you wouldn't have known by experience, but you would have only known by reputation. See, some of us are shouting based upon other people's testimonies. Some of us are shouting based upon what our parents told us 10, 15, 20 years ago, but we haven't experienced it for ourselves. And so God says, let me give you a little bit of perspective in the midst of pressure. I'm gonna put you in so that you feel like you're about to die. And when you feel like you're about to die, guess what? I'm gonna show up and introduce you to some attributes you didn't even know I had. Obstacles introduce you to the attributes of God that you think don't exist until you're in the situation. Sickness introduces you to the healer. Financial struggle introduces you to the provider. Weakness introduces you to God's omnipotence. Loneliness introduces you to God's omnipresence. Uncertainty introduces you to God's omniscience. You wouldn't know what God was capable of unless you went through some obstacles where you needed his attributes to be at work on your behalf. (laughs) I'm feeling this. I don't know about y'all, but I'm feeling this. Maybe it's just me. It's only me here, so I don't know. But I think there are a few people that can testify that I didn't know what God was capable of until I got in the middle of pressure. And when I got in the middle of pressure, then I was introduced to some attributes that I didn't know. And I was introduced to all kinds of love. And I knew he was a loving God from a distance, but then I got close to that love. Then I experienced that love. I knew he was a gracious God from a distance. Then I messed up and then I saw that he was still lavishing me with blessings and still lavishing me with grace and unmerited favor. Then I realized that God isn't just gracious from afar, he's gracious in my life. I didn't know that God could give me such peace that in the midst of my worst moments, I'm still getting a peace that passes understanding, not because of what I heard, not because of what the preacher said, not because of what. my neighbor said, but because I experienced it for myself. Obstacles introduce you to the attributes of God. You have to understand this, church. What's really happening? God is trying to strip away the reliance that you have on yourself so that he can introduce you to some attributes that you can truly rely on. My time is up. But my final question, Paul talks about My final question, not just why am I here, not just where have I been, not just what's really happening, but finally, who's with me? (laughs) Who's with me? Look at the B clause of verse 10 and then verse 11. He says, (laughs) on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. So remember, A clause of verse 10. He says, God delivered us from this deadly peril and then he will deliver us again. Then he says, I'm just going to, Going to take it further. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us in the future. Great, you trust in God. Obstacles introduce you to his attributes. Incredible, amazing. But watch this, he doesn't leave it there. As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. I need to read that again. As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. One more time. As you help us by your prayers, then many will give us thanks, give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Who's with me? God's with you, Paul. Yeah, God is with me. I know that, but so are you. So in other words, I can't keep the perspective of what I'm going through if you don't help me. I can't keep the perspective of what I'm in the middle of if you don't pray for me. I can't keep the perspective under pressure if you're not on your face interceding for me. Again, this is the connectivity here. Paul is saying, if I'm going to be what God has called for me to be, even as an apostle, I need to be honest with you and then you need to pray for me. Church, let me give you some advice. Be careful about how you talk to people in this season. Be careful about how you talk to people in this season. Can I give you some flip side advice? Be careful about how you allow people to talk to you in this season. Be careful about how you talk to people and be careful about how you allow people to talk to you in this season. Just because people are around you doesn't mean that they're with you. I didn't say who's around you. I didn't say who you think your friends are. I didn't say who you have a good time with. I asked who is with you? And the reality is you need some people in your corner. If you're gonna have some perspective under pressure, that are gonna pray for you, that are gonna fight for you, that are gonna intercede for you, that are gonna tie their hands with yours, that are gonna reach out and touch you, that are gonna lay hands on you, that are gonna bear with you, that are gonna wipe your tears, that are gonna deal with whatever you're going through, that are gonna take on the burdens that aren't even theirs to begin with, because they say, if I'm going to reach my next, I need you with me. And if you're gonna reach your next, you need me with you. And that's what God has called for us to do. Who's with you, church? It better be God and it better be some other people who are praying for you. How many of you know that the only reason why you're here is because some people were on their knees? You had a praying grandmother. You had some fathers and some mothers who anointed your bedpost with oil. You had some people in your life who looked at where you were going and said, you don't need to go there anymore. I'm gonna pray for you, but I'm also gonna stand in the middle of the road and say, you don't need to head down this road because I need you to make it. I need you to make it, so I'm going to be with you. Come hell and high water. Come sickness and health. Even if you're up or if you're down, I'm still going to be with you. You need some people to have a covenant with you. That's different. I don't need friends. I need covenant partners in this situation. In what I'm going through, I need some people who enter into a covenant with me who say it doesn't matter what may be enticing somewhere else. It doesn't matter all the places I could have more fun. I have been assigned to you. I feel this in my spirit. I believe God is going to assign you people in this season who are truly with you, and their prayers are going to keep your head up, and they're going to lift up your hands when they get weary, and they're going to pick you up when you've fallen down, and they're not going to judge you when you're in the midst of the situations that you're in, but there are some people who are committed to you, who are tied to you, who are in covenant with you, who are assigned to you, and God is asking the question, who's really with you? Yes, God is there, but I need some people who are there with me. This is what Paul is saying. If I'm going to develop perspective in the middle of pressure, I need some people who are going to pray for me in my pressure moments, in my pressure season. Do you have those people, church? Are there some people in your life that you can call? Are there some people in your life who you know are going to bear with you? Are there some people in your life who are not going to give up on you? Are there some people in your life... Who haven't quit on you. Who don't look at where you are, but see where you could be. Who see where you're going, my God. Who have prophetic encouragement, enough to speak over your future. Paul is saying, based upon your prayers, people are going to give thanks. Because your prayers are going to get answered on my behalf. I know God is with me, but I need you to pray for me. perspective in the middle of pressure. You want to be high capacity? You got to ask four questions. Why am I here? Where have I been? What's really happening? Who's with me? How many of y'all say I want high capacity? I want to experience everything that God has for me. Don't say it lightly because high capacity comes with a cost. High capacity means you're going to have to have a testimony that outlives you. If you really want that, you have to endure what is for the promise of what could be. You have to go through the now in search of the next. You have to deal with the pain for the blessing that comes on the other side of it. I want high capacity. And I think there's a few people watching who want some high capacity too. Will you lift up your hands right now? Wherever you are, lift up your hands. God in heaven, the God of all comfort, who comforts us so that we can comfort others who are in the same situations we're in. I pray that you would visit us and expand our capacity. I pray that you would develop us beyond what we are capable of. Even as Christ came as a substitution, as a blessing on our behalf, as someone who was gonna take on the sins of the world, even though he himself didn't commit any sins. As so many people throughout the scriptures have paid the price for a high capacity so that many can be blessed through them. I pray that we would develop some perspective in the middle of pressure, some perspective that says I'm here for the sake of others. Some perspective that says I need to share what I've been through because that matters not just for me, but for other people. Some perspective that says what's really happening is I'm being introduced to the attributes of God. And some perspective that says I'm going to get some covenant people in this season. Some covenant partners who are assigned to me, who are with me, who are not going to leave me behind. God, give us the perspective that just because we don't see it right now, that doesn't mean that you don't have something that you are doing in our situation. I pray for those who are in the middle of pressure, not just any pressure, but the soul crushing bone rending pressure, the pressure that keeps you up late at night, the pressure that gets you up early in the morning, the pressure that won't let you rest. God, I pray that you give them perspective And I pray that you would teach and develop everything in them so that when they come out the other side, they have a higher capacity. They are walking into abundance. I believe it, God. I believe you're gonna do it in hearts. You're gonna do it in minds. You're gonna do it in souls. You're gonna do it in families. You're gonna do it in this church community. In Jesus' name we pray. The same Jesus that rose from the dead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you, church. It's time for a high capacity. Well, hey, church, I pray that you are blessed by the word today. I pray that you are committing to developing a high capacity. You cannot develop a high capacity apart from a relationship committed and following the name of Jesus. There is no way that you can develop a high capacity in the spirit of God without Jesus. That's why we offer him to you. At every time we have this uh, service, we want to offer the opportunity for you to follow Jesus. It is a transformative decision. It is the decision to say, I will no longer rely on myself, but I will trust the name that is above every name, the only name that can save me, the only name that can deliver me the name of Jesus. I encourage you, if you have not made that choice, I don't want you to delay. I don't want you to wait. I don't want you to put it off anymore. I just want you to lift up your hands and say, Jesus, I'm making the decision to follow you. No turning back, no looking back, no going back to the way I was living. I only go forward in you. And if you made that decision, I want you to type home in the comments. When you type home in the comments, we're going to have some people who are going to reach out to you who are so excited about seeing you develop, seeing you grow, seeing you now be able to walk in the path that God has crafted for you. Welcome to the family of God. We're so excited to have you here. If you've listened to the message today, you know that we need you to make it. There is a connectivity that we have to you. Well, also, I want to be connected to you in a different way. As you saw earlier, we inducted some new members. And so we want you to feel free wherever you are, wherever you're watching, We wanna invite you to join our church. You can type join in the comments and people will reach out to you. Just give you a brief survey that you can fill out so you can get in the next new members class, which will be in the month of September. It'll just be a, a three week course. It's very, very simple. And it'll also give you access to the church in different ways. We want you to be a part of our family. If you want to give and you haven't had that opportunity yet, I just want to remind you there are three easy ways for you to give. You can go to ndccpensacola.org and click Offerings. You can also go to the Tively app and you can type in New Dimensions Christian Center or you can mail it in the old-fashioned way, PO Box 6400 Pensacola, Florida 32503. Well, listen, church, I don't believe that God has pushed us away from this idea of pressure season quite yet. Normally, it's like a four-week cycle, and then we go to another series. I think God wants us to sit in pressure season for a little bit longer. So that means next week. We're going to pick up on another part, part five of pressure season. I'm so excited to preach it and deliver it. I believe it's going to transform and change your life. So be here next week. Be here next week. Same time, same place, right here at NDCC, New Dimensions in Pensacola, where our destiny is helping you to unlock your destiny. Have a safe, happy, healthy week. We'll see you next week.